Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. Please put your weapon away. I... I mean you no harm. Stay back! I'm warning you, old man. Forgive me, it's just... My ship crashed. I'm trapped, marooned. I've had to scrounge and scrape to survive. Look, I have to get back to my friends. Well, perhaps I could help you. I doubt that. So the first part of the season two finale of Rebels kicks off with uh, the Jedi members of the Ghost Crew plus Ahsoka. So Kanan, Ezra, and Ahsoka on their way to the Sith planet of Malachor to uncover knowledge. Uh, while they're there, they uncover some artifacts and uh, Ezra falls through the floor, uh, ultimately being separated from Ahsoka and Kanan on their pursuit of an Inquisitor. While he's down there, he encounters uh, an old man in a hood that old man in a hood is very obviously the image of darth maul uh in that uh while um uh ezra is with maul uh they're kind of being guided along and uh maul says to ezra that i'm able to kind of show you what you're looking for uh and uh uncover the secrets that this place has to offer uh kanan and ahsoka are battling an inquisitor uh chopper comes in and ultimately uh, takes the inquisitor's tie fighter and uses that to kind of pin him down so they've got that inquisitor uh under control uh meanwhile ezra and maul are going through the sith temple uh unlocking its uh different uh basically video game like levels mm -hmm. uh and as they get through it uh they're on their way and they get to a point where there's a holocron uh and they do uh, a few jedi maneuvers uh, ezra gets maul to do kind of a, a trust force throw with him and throws him across a chasm to get to the holocron uh and once he gets to the holocron the sith temple starts to crumble as the sith temple starts to crumble uh they uh, find their way out uh and they come across and they come across uh, Kanan, uh, who is with Ahsoka and the other Inquisitor, and two new Inquisitors who have arrived uh, to uh, aid their friend who has been captured by the Jedi. And ultimately, it appears as though the Inquisitors have laid a bit of a trap to get all of the characters that they want. They are indeed hunting for Darth Maul, or what they refer to him as, as the Shadow, uh, and also the Jedi that they have been tracking who have been uh, plaguing them for two seasons. We've been trying to come up with uh, some ideas for show content in between now and like three weeks from now when the Obi-Wan Kenobi show finally hits Disney+. And so with your extensive knowledge of the animated series, you decided to pick an arc from Rebels that would help do a little uh, groundwork laying. But it's notable that in this first of two episodes... Obi-Wan is not seen nor mentioned at all. And obviously I'm aware of his ties to Maul. And so it was pleasing for me to see that character. But are you able to give a spoiler-free explanation for how this ties into Obi-Wan's story? Obi-Wan will not be in these episodes. Uh, however, these are essential episodes to being able to uh, see the episodes in which Obi-Wan does appear in Rebels. Okay. Uh, these episodes uh, focus a lot on Inquisitors. And these episodes also uh, feature Darth Vader in the next one. And so Darth Vader appears in the next episode. A little bit of a spoiler there. I know you said no spoiler, but he is in the next episode um, because that's the only real way to answer the question there. Yeah. I think I did give you that as a mention a, a little bit ahead of time. 
Um, so that overall uh, provides a good foundation. And it's also an essential Ahsoka episode. And with Ahsoka appearing more and more in the on-screen Disney Plus versus Star Wars television, with her getting her own show, also uh, Ezra being part of that show, uh, this is, I think, just essential Star Wars viewing. Uh, and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka would be, I'd say, the two shows that will benefit most from viewing these episodes. Is this the apparent, this the first appearance of Maul in Rebels, the end of season two? Uh, yes, this was the first appearance of Maul in Rebels. So uh, you have told me before that when we pick up with him at this stage in the game, he's like weak and decrepit and he has to build his way back, I, at least as I understand. But in this particular episode, he's not necessarily as weak as he may appear. Like he's kind of pretending to be an old man. I'm not really sure why a, a cloak is a good enough to disguise is good enough to disguise him as an old man. He otherwise does not seem aged and decrepit at all. He's just kind of like walking with a hunch. And I think not to get too ahead of us, but I I think that's my main issue with this this episode is that I've spent so little time with Ezra that to me he comes off like a real numbskull in this episode. He just meets this guy and it's obvious that he should be like a little distrustful of him. And yet he gives him his name after almost no coercion. He buys into this force throw that you mentioned, which seems very, very dodgy. It, like very quickly, he's just wrapped around Maul's finger. You could say the exact same thing about Luke with Yoda though, or, or Luke with Ben Kenobi, who's this crazy old wizard. And like, it, it's very easy to get seduced by the excitement of all of this. Uh, uh, excitement. <laughs> Uh, but with that, this is also showing the power of the dark side, the seduction that Maul has. Maul knows how to be interesting. Mm -hmm. Maul knows how to come across not as intimidating, but as seductive. Uh, Maul also does start off very raspy and very quiet. I guess. But in a 20 minute episode and very hunched. But in a 20 minute episode, you can only do so much. And what Sam Witwer does a really good job of uh, and they animated it as well, is that his voice gets stronger throughout the episode and his uh, posture straightens throughout the episode. Mm -hmm. And it's done to give you kind of the option, is Maul purely manipulating Ezra or is this part manipulation and also him feeding off of Ezra, his youth, his master, call me old master, and he like you'll see as these things go on, Maul becomes a little obsessed with Ezra, too, mm. about the notion of, well, th th living on through an apprentice, having somebody to work with. Like these, the Sith have their rule of two. And although he's not a Sith anymore, he was still raised to be a Sith. And so it's all he understands. And so he does have an interest in Ezra. Uh, and so there's also some truth in um the reason to believe him. He does save Ezra because he, at this point, cares about Ezra selfishly, but he does care about the potential to have this young Anakin to his Palpatine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's funny because Ezra also holds that very staunch black and white dichotomy of like what it means to be a Force user because he asks Maul, uh, are you a Jedi? And Maul's like, no, not really, but I was a force wielder in my day. And immediately Ezra's like, so you're a Sith. And so like <laughs> we we as fans of Star Wars are gradually being trained away from that thought 
that kind of way of thinking of the force. And yet Ezra's right here kind of invoking that very rigid sensibility. Yeah, absolutely. And it goes to show that, yes, Ezra is quick to jump the gun. Ezra is young uh, and impulsive. But Ezra also becomes a lot smarter and wiser as the show goes on. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's and he's he's still growing at this point and he still needs to be believably influenced by Maul in the yeah. same way that um, you want. Like They do a good job starting it here and playing it throughout season three of showing will Ezra is he going to the dark side and although there's lots of heroism Ezra does end up with Thrawn at the end of the day like Ezra and Thrawn are blast off and just into space mm -hmm. and the point of the series Ahsoka will be the rescue of Ezra um but will Ezra like, will we also get round two of where does Ezra's loyalty lie? And so that the character does have a very, as, as much as he sees black and white right here, he becomes extremely blurry. Um, blurry. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting that you liken Darth Maul in this, Maul in this, to Yoda on Dagobah and that they're both like the stranger in a strange land and, and they become the mentor on whether or not you can trust them. I didn't make that connection Although it's notable that the first thing he says in this episode is, please put away your weapon. I mean, you no harm, which is the first thing Yoda says to Luke in Empire Strikes Back. with your weapon. I mean, you no harm. And I, I had to, I had to make that association via IMDb. I'm not clever enough to pick up on that, but there's no way it's an accident. No, no, I didn't know that that was in IMDb. Uh, yeah. And that's that's really cool because I, I it, it's something that I expect them to do again in Star Wars. It's that um, the, the character that you're not sure, like, but who they are, they're the mysterious stranger that has all this knowledge. And they've done it a bunch of times in other mediums, but I'm ex I expect them to do it again in a movie in this similar way where you've got it done in kind of the reverse Yoda uh, and so it is, it, it's, it's my favorite part of, of, of course, the, this episode is, yeah. is the way the, the mall mirrors, uh, just it, it being, a like a, a dark Dagobah arc, uh, even, um, the, like the two of them doing it together, almost like one in a backpack. <laughs> I like the, the idea of him asking a young Jedi to call him old master, because it's like Darth Maul trying to. He's trying to force this relationship that he actually has kind of been robbed out of in his life. Like he started in the system as an apprentice and he got used up and discarded. And that's why he's quite embittered about the Sith. But he never got to like graduate to the point where he could be a mentor. He's just been this kind of poorly outcast who has all of this rage and all of this potential uh, for might. But whether or not he has specific eyes set on Ezra, he just wants to kind of, it's almost like role playing. It's like, okay, well, I, this this has been a long time coming for me. Would you call me old master? Because it would, it would do a lot for my ego. And so I actually yeah. kind of thought that was that was neat. It is funny that uh, Sam Witwer is credited, not as Maul, but as old master, as if there's some kind of like twist revealed. Because as you said in the recap, no, no, there's no question who he is as soon as he comes on screen. Hmm. They try to, they, did you mute the red in him? He becomes redder as well throughout the episode. Yeah. 
but yeah, there's no mistaking who it is, uh, even if it, even if his depiction is ever so slightly changed from the Clone Wars. So there's really a possibility that he is feeding off of Ezra's youth, like literally. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's supposed to be kind of part of it is like, what's the like, where's the where does the line blur uh, from like literal feeding off of it through the force um, versus just, you know, being around the young, the old being around the young, how it makes them young again. Now, um, do Ahsoka and Kanan and them know the legend of Maul? Is he like a known entity? Well, uh, you uh, might remember from the end of Clone Wars, Maul and Ahsoka have a big fight. Yeah. Uh, And so uh, Kanan would know of Maul because Maul was the first Jedi killed, sorry, the first Sith killed in a thousand years. Uh, And so Maul's famous enough that they would all know who he is. Yeah. And Ahsoka with obviously very, very close um, uh, encounters with Maul in the past. Gotcha. Okay. And we saw uh, Captain Rex at the beginning of this one. I don't know if I've ever gotten to see uh, beardy Captain Rex. Yeah, because I haven't watched that much Rebels. He's a little chubbier. Like, he doesn't look that much like Tamora Morrison. But, I mean, the idea, I guess, is that, like, he could look a little bit like Beardy from A New Hope, who, in hindsight, never had an Australian accent. So they're just kind of hoping that you don't worry too much about that. Uh, you mean Beardy, um, that's the thing, because he's Beardy from um, Return of the Jedi, who doesn't have any lines. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm confusing a couple of white bearded men in the Rebel Alliance. I think you're confusing him with Dodonna from, uh, who is also then recast in Rogue One. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about this before, and I think I was always thinking about Dodonna. Yeah, maybe. I see. But yes, there are a lot of white bearded uh, re- rebels, and uh, I've seen some uh, like fan creations of like a white bearded bald Tamora Morrison, and it looks. It looks pretty spot on, like how Rex would look. So it, it can it can work, but it obviously a weird thing to kind of just picture in your head. Well, speaking of that Clone Wars finale, the last time I saw Captain Rex, he was in the process of like rejecting his programming to invoke Order 66. And so, I mean, he was already kind of like successful at that in those episodes. Like he was not really doing what he was told. And I wasn't concerned that he was going to go all the way to bad. But this is where I'm picking up with that character again to see that he's like as virtuous as ever. Yes, and he has uh, an extremely good, like, his return in Rebels is awesome. Mm-hmm. It uh, surprises you in the right kind of way uh, and is uh, is a very, uh, it's it's a nostalgic kind of episode. They, they do hit the, hit the right notes with, uh, in bringing him back. And, and Rex, I can only imagine, will be in the Ahsoka show. It just makes too much sense. And they do really good also uh, tie-ins to um, experience outranks everything. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the first things that Rex ever says to Ahsoka in the Clone Wars movie. And for folks a little dissatisfied with the book of Boba Fett, this gives Tamara Morrison another opportunity in live action to play somebody really compelling. Yeah, absolutely. And uh Tons of other clones. He he can be, he's all of them. Wow. So what a uh, lucky use while you got him. What a break. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, two hundred thousand rolls and a million more on the way. Can you explain what holocrons are, and do they have anything to do with that doodad that Kylo Ren steals in the beginning of Episode Nine? Uh, the Wayfinders. So the Wayfinders are designed to look exactly like holocrons so that everyone who knows what a holocron is says, oh, my God, it's a holocron. Oh, wait a minute. You changed its name? Yeah. Okay. And it's a map now. Just a map. It's not a holocron only, at all. It's, it's only a map. So it's a really shitty holocron. Yeah. 
Uh, holocrons can contain like tons of information whereas a wayfinder is like a, a like a, a usb that you plug into your tie fighter and it'll take you to exical and it, it has, <laughs> it's a map it has quest. like yeah it, it has the directions on how to navigate <laughs> the um whatever it's called the the bloodstorm whatever it is yeah um but overall that's the, the the design of them is what's used uh for uh away finders they took the holocron design and a holocron is uh where a sith or a jedi would store their learnings and it would pass down messages and it would be like a a, a hollow projection uh device that is unlocked like it's like a force cryptex that you need to um be either a light side user or dark side user generally and you you use the force to open uh and yeah. then thus read its contents or view its contents obi-wan sends out holocrons uh um like a lot of so obi-wan's message to the jedi order was put into a lot of holocrons um as a kind of a, a time capsule of here's what happened on order 66 here's obi-wan sending us all a message of um, go into hiding. The Jedi Order is is no more. Interesting. It would have been nice if they could have sent Leia's message via holocron, but I guess they need a Force user to to do that. You would need Obi Wan to have been given a holocron. Yeah. Um, with that message, and and if the Jedi were thriving, ultimately they wouldn't needed to send the message. But if they were, then maybe that's how they would have done it. Uh, in in terms of transmitting the messages, I don't know. Uh, they were generally kept pretty under lock and key, I think, because they were considered so valuable. Um, but at the same time, I don't know. Maybe in olden times, they were more frequently traded. Well, as long as we're talking about Obi Wan messages, this is not related to this episode at all. Um, and this is going to seem like a really rudimentary Star Wars question. First five minutes of the entire series. What exactly is Leia's plan when she puts that message in in R2? Does she know? Is she responsible for the jettisoning the jettisoning of that pod? Does she send it to Tatooine? Or does she just like unload the thing and hope R2 makes its way to Ben? That. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> yeah, wonky. It, it, it's a little bit of a of a long shot. Like a long shot. It's definitely a Hail Mary. Uh it's knowing that okay here's an r2 unit that is going to be inconspicuous probably and r2 is also um r2 so my guess is he said hey i'm a a rebel spy yeah. and i've been doing this for so long i get shit done uh, or maybe leia had knows specifically from her father that r2 is the most reliable droid in the entire galaxy yeah. if you need to store something in something give it to r2 and then r2 just makes it his mission and then mm -hmm. from there that's where the two of the droids carry the message and yada 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 right well and another pretty reliable r2 droid is this chopper i love this little guy yeah the chopper the fart bot uh <laughs> why is he called that it's just because the, the sounds that he makes are so ridiculous. He's a little scrappier than R2. He's like kind of rattles oh, yeah. around, and, but I like him. Yeah, his design is the original R2 design. Oh, no way. Yeah, so they uh, the paint job, I don't know if it's the same, but the the way that the, he's got like uh, an, an arm that comes out of his head and the fact that his arms are a little bit more like actual arms, um, that was R2's original design. So that's where they came up with Chopper. The other uh, Kylo Ren 
quasi-reference in this episode is a little green lightsaber that they just find on the ground when they land, and it does the thing that Kylo's lightsaber does with like the offshoot blades. Yeah, it's got a cross guard, and so it's uh, a reference to the fact that like these were used uh, logically by Jedi in the High Republic and in the Old Republic, and it had good reason for it. And Kylo used that inspiration when after he bloody cracked his crystal because it was the only way he could still use it in the lightsaber. One more Darth Maul question: uh, When he's revealing who he is, he takes down his hood. He says something curious. Um, he says, "I had an I had a real name once, but I can't remember." And now I go by Maul or whatever. And so what does that mean? Is he not originally born Maul? Nope. The same way that Sidious' name is Sheev Palpatine and Vader's name is Anakin Skywalker. Sure. Maul's, Maul had a name, but Maul was stolen as a baby, uh, ripped from my mother's arms. They murdered my brother, used me as a weapon, uh, like, like, and uh, and cast me aside, abandoned me. Once I had power, now I have nothing. Nothing like that. That's the yeah. story of Maul. He was taken as a baby. It's uh, it's almost too bad that he was taken as a baby because if he was taken as like a teenager and brainwashed to forget his original identity or something, then there's an opportunity for a really great tragic origin story about like a young lad who showed a lot of physical promise and then was seduced to the dark side which, you know, we actually haven't watched play out that many times, really just we've seen it happen to Anakin Skywalker. But since they're quite determined to tell the full Darth Maul story, I'm not that interested in just learning about a baby who was raised to be evil and he never knew what his mother named him. But had he been kidnapped a little later, there might have been a cool story to tell. Yeah, no, he was kidnapped as as a child and, and his brother was raised um, in that kind of way. His brother was taken to be trained to be a Sith. So his story is kind of like that, but they're Knight Brothers. So they also use the dark side naturally. It's it's in their DNA, but it's wow. also magic as well. It's dark magic too. So it's a little bit different. Uh, and so it, it's, it's less of a, a, a good turning to evil, um, but... I definitely would agree. We need a little bit more of that uh, in our, because Kylo Ren had already turned. We didn't get to see that story play out. And uh, it was kind of, I wasn't a huge fan of the way it played out in the comics either. And so that's something that will uh, likely need to be the, or probably be one of the main themes uh, of whatever new trilogy we get in the High Republic and the Old Republic in the future. You never know. It's really interesting that these animated series have been empowered to tell such big high concept stories and they haven't been forced to you know placate and reserve those stories for cinematic experiences and like mortis is probably the best example but like this is another one like they're telling some really big important stuff in frankly b star wars content and I know they can get away with that because, like, if you just watch Star Wars movies, you're pretty satisfied with where you are uh, with Darth Maul. Like, you don't really need to know a whole lot more. Not that this is really a necessary uh, uh, Darth Maul story. It's about Sith in general, I guess. And it's about this band of characters you're about to uh, become better acquainted with. But just, like, this world is very specific and uh, has, I think, a lot of consequence on the greater galaxy but really has nothing to do with Luke and Anakin or or even Obi-Wan. Um, and so it does a good job for expanding the universe, but doesn't it does it's nice that they're able to you see what I'm saying. 
Yeah, absolutely. Malachor is a, a planet that was existing from the expanded universe as, as an ancient Sith world. And so the fact that they're diving into it more and they're bringing it to like actual imagery is really cool. Uh, they use great Ralph McQuarrie imagery uh, that were some designs from, I think, Return of the Jedi, if I'm not mistaken. I, I just I'm picturing some uh, Return of the Jedi uh, Emperor's throne room designs, and they kind of use some of that imagery in this episode, which is really cool. Um, and uh, also, actually, some con concepts from the Rise of Skywalker align quite well with a lot of the imagery from Malachor. Um, so that's that's also cool, showing that they were at least thinking along those lines and really execute along those lines, but they, they were thinking that way at the very least. Uh, and certainly for dual defates too, they had some alignment um, in, in some of the concept art there. So it is great for being able to kind of broaden out the galaxy that way. I will say it doesn't really appear to be a very civilized place. Like there's, it's, it's kind of more, um, uh, <sighs> afterlifey kind of like mortis although we know it is civilized because there's pod racing on malachor or it's malastar that's malastare frig off yeah. too much too many too many similar names i quit dad hondo lando han can't do it well wait to hear about the fact that uh there's also the other uh sith planet of moraban which is also koraban and in in, in <laughs> I don't know. One of them is the legends. One of them is the canon. As soon as uh, I heard myself saying uh, it's pod racing on, on Malachor or whatever, I was like, nope, you did it wrong. <laughs> There's too many planets. That's all right. <laughs> there are. Uh, do you want to talk about some quotes? Any any language that really jumped out at you? Yeah. Uh, Ahsoka's line, There's always a bit of truth in legends. I love it when they reference uh, legends in Star Wars, especially especially in Disney Star Wars, because I always feel like it is a direct nod to respecting legends, which is always cool. So I yeah. like that line. Uh, the, the mirrored line in this episode, she says to Ezra, to defeat your enemy, you have to understand them. And then Maul says it again later, but he adds, uh, even practice their beliefs. And so that kind of speaks to... Um, his loneliness, I think, his very unique relationship to the sects of Force users, neither of which accept him. And so he kind of has to be manipulative in order to survive. Absolutely. He is a complete reject. That is a, a, a great way of putting it. And I like the fact that Ezra's response is, yeah, my master wouldn't approve of that last part. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was kind of funny, too. Cheekiness. Um, I did also like Ezra's line of call me Jabba. I thought it was funny. I didn't get uh, that. I was like, that's goofy. I think, I think the old master thing is good, but like why Jabba? And when he calls him Jabba later on, it's very distracting. <laughs> it is. And I also wrote that down because I think it's hilarious. Do not become like me, Jabba. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no worry of that. The Sith took everything from me. That whole monologue that he goes on is very yeah. emotional. And it's just really good. Um, a place of worship for some to others, an engine of destruction, but at its heart, our prize. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I liked, what do you mean we've got company? So like, presumably Chopper said we've got company. And then Kanan's like, what do you mean we've got company? It's just like a nice spin on a classic Star Wars phrase. Yes, absolutely. In my book, experience outranks everything. Yeah, that's a classic Rexism. Good line. Two must lift these stones, no more, no less. That is the way of the Sith. Mm, that's good. 
uh, uh maul the- actually this is reciting the sith mantra uh, and the sith code uh, your passions give you strength and through strength you gain power you have seen it you feel it you must break your chains mm. and so sam whitwer intentionally put that in there to give a nod to the the sith creed uh, and they let him keep it in there because it was so appropriate he improvised it that's cool I'm I'm quite sure he improvised that. I think I've seen that in the like the extras from from the Rebels. Uh, him and Dave Filoni are quite the pair because maybe no one knows more about Star Wars than the two of them, and so uh, he kind of gives Sam Witwer a lot of liberties because Sam Sam is the greatest um, on screen student of Star Wars. I think probably there is. Wow! Oh wow! What a yeah. What a, an accolade. Good for him. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's why he's so heavily beloved uh, and, and especially why it was so great to see him um, uh, get the get the big screen role with, with Maul's small role in Solo. It was pretty cool to see a couple of Inquisitors. I liked the design of both of them. There was just two of them. Not, not a lot of time spent with either one of them, frankly. But I, I guess seeing these episodes helps me better understand exactly what they are and what they do. They're just bad guy cops, uh, but like they're more powerful yeah. than stormtroopers. Yeah, and uh, you you saw what is one of the the dumbest, although it is logical, it is one of the dumbest things in Star Wars, and that is the helicopter lightsabers. Yeah, they're kind of goofy. I mean, they're cool, but also impractical, and and you're just gonna cut off your own hand. Well, like I'm not against the design. I'm against the fact that they make that they actually can like glide with them a little bit. Right. Yeah, but it does make sense seeing as it is an energy blade. Um, but at the same time, it is super silly looking. Speaking of cutting off your own hand, I just want to nitpick a little bit the idea of being maimed and then falling down pits, which reoccurs in Star Wars and specifically relates to the character of Darth Maul. I think when Ezra's like, hey, me and my master do this all the time. Force push me across the chasm and I'll go get the thing. Um, I think that it's it sets a dangerous precedent if we're just able to have powerful force users catch someone who's falling in the open air. I can see logically how like if, if Rey and Kylo Ren can fight with the gravity around a ship that's trying to fly away, that surely they could also use their force power to catch someone who's falling. But if you think about all these really powerful people who either die or at the very least lose some kind of battle by falling down a pit, you'd think more often Ashiv Palpatine would be able to stop himself with his own energy or Luke would be able to do the same or Darth Maul after being cut in half would be able to stop himself from falling down that pit in the duel of the phase. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, it just seems like if we're going to allow this, it sets a dangerous precedent for all of the pit usage in star Wars. I think it's a, it's a, it's a I think it's just about physics in the sense of like an object in motion stays in motion. So if it's a, a force throw, then you're able to, but he does catch him lo- from falling. Yes, he does catch him from falling in that instance because he's using a, like a like a force pull in that same instance there. But Ezra's not catching himself is what I'm saying. Right. Um, the big thing there is that the characters who never have the ability, like, like Palpatine and Maul, I think are the examples of people who fall down pits, um, is the sense that they both do end up surviving. Mm-hmm. One by Palpatine transporting his essence whatever the uh-huh. hell that means, 
And Maul, by literally doing that, him falling to the bottom and likely softening his fall. And that's the reason as to why we still have Maul. Fair enough. Okay, Um, that does answer my question. But I think part of the reason as to why it doesn't happen to good guys is because good guys have someone there with them. And that's kind of part of the moral of Star Wars is bad guys do it on their own or bad guys will let the other one, the other bad guy fall. But a good guy is going to be have someone there to literally kind of have your back. And that's well, the trust fall notion of the throwing the other Jedi. And I guess that. it's a bad faith comparison on my part, too, because Luke is incredibly novice when it happens to him and his hand has been cut off. And so if we're talking about like what you might use to generate some energy, it usually comes from their hands, you know, like from your spidey sense. And and he's also been just distracted by this earth-shattering piece of information. And so he's just not in a position to be smooth enough to catch himself as he falls down that shaft. That's another great, that is a great one. That's, that's a fair example of um, what was the true softener of Luke's fall in Empire? Uh, I don't really know, actually. Because he does kind of weirdly fall into an offshoot of that of that shaft, right? And it's always, even yeah. when I was a little kid, it looks weird when he gets to the bottom of the big thing and then kind of shifts into a smaller little slide. And then he catches himself in the weather vane and that's a little bit clumsy and he's like disoriented and in pain again and that's fine. But there's something like weird that happens to his physics when he, when he gets yeah, there. I mean, I'm going to have to, I guess, in my head, see that as him using the force to clue in. The fall was long enough that he realized, oh, okay, I gotta gotta stop and catch catch myself on this fall. I don't really have anything more to say about this episode. I thought it was really good. It's good. I think you'll like the next one more then. Um, I don't really have anything else to say either. Uh, overall, yeah, Malachor's design, everything with Maul, the way he was introduced, I absolutely love that. I think Twilight um, of the Apprentice is kind of a wussy name. I think it's just like two ominous sounding words. It doesn't really mean anything. You'll get it okay. in the next one. All right. Yeah. Um, I I'm not going to say you won't you won't still have that opinion, but it 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 definitely. The only reason this episode is named that is because of the next episode, mm-hmm. and that they're a, a very clear one and two parter, but the name doesn't really apply to the first one. I know we only have a couple of more weeks before. Obi Wan Kenobi comes out, but it seems like we should do a podcast that really focuses a lot more on specifically Alec Guinness's Obi-Wan Kenobi, because for such an integral part of the origins of Star Wars, we have not talked that much about Alec Guinness on the podcast, other than when we've actually been breaking down his scenes in the movies and he happened to be there. But like, this is a guy who's in three of the main Star Wars movies, albeit uh, in diminishing amounts as those movies go, but he's very prominent in the original Star Wars. And I don't know, like, I've got a relationship to Alec Guinness's Obi-Wan Kenobi, and we're about to get closer to that guy than we've been in decades. We've ever been. Yeah. Probably. Well, other than when he was actually Alec Guinness's Obi-Wan. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great idea. And you're right. We spent most of our analysis time of A New Hope as just kind of being doing our first real crack at this and so we never really talked that much extensively about uh the origin of obi-wan and not just uh, like the character of anything but just his presence on screen and alec Guinness, what he brought to it and and how important he was to the legitimacy of star wars and everything uh and so yeah absolutely yeah i think we need to do a top six alec Guinness lines episode 
Okay. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, lines or moments of one of those two. All right. Uh, uh, do are we are we moving to the news now? Um. Yeah. Let's okay. go on to the news. I don't really have much in the news though. Um, Obi Wan uh, series has moved. Uh, so that, I mean, this happened a couple weeks ago, but that we will be having the first two episodes on May the twenty seventh, Friday, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to on the twenty fifth. So that'll I'm really excited to get the two episodes. That's yeah, going to be a that's good. fun fun day. Um, but, uh, other than that, um, I, I'm not quite sure why they did it. Uh, it seems a little odd to miss the anniversary, but, uh, they chose that and that, and, that, and that's okay. I've been saying three weeks. It's obviously more than three weeks. I'm not sure where I was getting that number, but it's like still five or six weeks away. Yeah. It's still about six weeks away. Yeah. I'd say. Okay. We got lots of time, lots of anticipation. And also, uh, Troy Coetzer, mm. um, I didn't know this, but uh, he uh, was the one who invented the Tuscan Raider sign language. No well. way. So this is the newly minted uh, best supporting actor at the Academy Awards. He was the father in Coda, a wonderful mm-hmm. movie. And so he contributed to the 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 Boba Fett series then? Uh, yeah, that's where it's most uh, predominantly done. I'm trying to think if it's done anywhere else. I don't think so. But yeah, I, he invented the language and he didn't want it to be like based off of ASL. He wanted it to be based off of like the principles of sign language. No and way. So I love he it. Like off of what the Tuscans would know. And that so I think rules. that's really cool. I love that he's like a star, a star Wars fan. Obviously he like took it really seriously. Yeah. And I, I love the fact that star Wars took it seriously enough to hire somebody who knew what they were talking about too. No kidding. Yeah. By the way, like Coda has nothing to do with star Wars at all, but almost anybody in that movie could be in star Wars. They just have like a oh, lot nice. tons of charisma and heart. Just a beautiful film. Loved it so much. And the main girl in it, it kind of has like a, well, I don't want to, I don't want to say she has a Daisy Ridley quality, except for that. They share a lot of like, like likeability characteristics. Speaking of Daisy, I watched, um, Judd Apatow's new movie, The Bubble, on Netflix, which sucks. Don't watch it. But in the ensemble, uh, Pedro Pascal plays like this movie star, this kind of like douchey movie star. Uh, And he has a scene with Daisy Ridley where she plays like a yoga instructor or something on YouTube. I forget it now, but I was at the gym half watching this movie. But it's weird because there's this like steamy scene virtually between Mando and Ray which I think is not an accident, but it's kind of weird to see them interplaying, but she has an American accent and they're like saying the F word and there's all kinds of innuendo. That's really quite funny. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a weird, surreal kind of uh, arrangement of these people who I know very distinctly from other worlds. Yeah, that would be weird. Yeah. Um, in another instance where they are able to clash, if you want to be able to uh, use uh, Din Djarin or uh, Ray, you can use either character in the Skywalker Saga Lego video game. Have you been playing uh, it? I have not. I do not have the game, uh, but I am. I have seen some videos of it. Uh, I've watched uh, like a couple scenes, uh, and it, overall, it looks like a ton of fun apparently just looks the, like a barrel of laughs the co- it has some bugs though the co-op is supposed to be really good and like fewer and fewer games are being made with a co-op mode and so people are quite, oh i didn't know that quite pleased that you can like play two at a time yeah oh absolutely then I'm, there's no way i'm not getting it yeah. definitely that'll be a lot of fun yeah me too. Yeah, co-op games don't really exist anymore no no exactly uh yeah that's kind of it in the news 
Cool. Wow. What a tight little episode. All right. So next week Absolutely. we'll uh, we'll watch part two of Twilight of the Apprentice. That's uh, season two, episode 22 of Rebels, if you want to check it out. Uh, in the meantime, if you have any thoughts about this week's episode, any thoughts about Star Wars in general, or specifically Obi-Wan, even more specific, Alec Guinness's Obi-Wan, because we're going to talk about him in the coming weeks, send us an email, recorder66podcast at gmail.com or tweet at recorder66. As always, rate and review on whatever podcast app you're using. Uh, and if you're joining us on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. And until we are together again, may the Force be with you. Thank you.